Welcome to those who are joining online and those who are joining in person today. And a special welcome to those who are new or visiting with us. We are glad you are here. All right. Let me quickly swap over to our birthdays. I'll read you the birthdays for the next week. All right. So it's the 25th today. And on today, Crystal Dugal is having a birthday. Uh, on the 26th, Stephen Bentz, 27th, Barry Hinunschberg, I'm so sorry I butchered that, uh, as well as Mary Smith, Matthew Wise, Nate Lee de Sousa, de Sousa, Nate de Sousa, uh, I can't pronounce things. Uh, on the 28th is Colleen uh, Deschabouin, on the 28th is Corneille Stannard, 30th is Nikki Benting, then on the 1st we have Colleen Bardwell, uh, Janie DeConing, Julia, uh, and on the second, we have Julia Johnson, Leanna van Rensburg, and Zachary Wyden. My apologies if I pronounce their names terribly. All right. Speaking of the second of May, if I go back over to our notices. Okay. So on the second of May, we are having baptisms. Woo! Excellent. So yes, a reminder that this Sunday, second May, uh, has been set aside for baptisms. If you would like to get baptized or would like to find out more about baptisms, uh, please chat to one of the pastors, such as Andrew, Craig, Bevan, uh, and I'm sure Josh would be happy to do that as well. Um, right. Then... The Mercy and Justice team invites you to join a time of Praying Hope. Education on Saturday, 8th May at 2 p.m. We will be standing with our PBC family who are involved in education, with as school teachers, reading support, NGOs. You can receive a prayer pack to work through at home or in person. More details on how to sign up can be found on the PBC website. And of course, we thank you for regularly giving towards God's work done in and through PBC. And uh, that EFT can be, uh, EFT can be given. <laughs> giving, giving, yeah, yeah, okay, words. Giving can be done via EFT or SnapScan. This is why I read rather than talk, otherwise I go insane. All right, so I'd like to pray for the offering as well as our week ahead. Um, because hardly a week ever goes by that we don't need prayer. If there's ever a week that we don't need prayer, something is going very wrong. Ah, so let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord, who is so good to us. All right. Thank you, Father, for the week that we've had. Thank you for giving us food in our plates. Thank you for delivering us from our circumstances. Small things and big things all alike, you work them out so perfectly, even when we feel very much out of control. But you are always in control. So thank you, Lord. And please, continue to watch after us. We hardly need to ask you always do these things. You keep us safe when nothing else can. So thank you, Lord. Watch over us. Give us what we need. Give the church what it needs to do your work. Nothing more, nothing less. All we need from you is all you will ever give. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, we declare this evening that your praise will forever be on our lips that we will always be singing your praises, the longing to see you high and lifted up will never fade within our hearts. Father, as we continue to share fellowship, as we continue to focus and direct our hearts on you, we desire, Lord, to have you present here with us, that you would be meeting here with us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Um, so before Josh carries on, because um, Josh is going to be bringing the word for us as well.
we are blessed in that sense. Um, I thought it would be good to take an opportunity just to allow some time for someone perhaps to share a testimony. Um, it's been a while since we've just heard what God has been doing in each other's lives. Um, we know that we've come now to the end of a, of a strange first term at school um, in what continues to be a strange year. And the, the Lord that we serve has continued to be at work in our lives. And so maybe you want to share some of what God has been doing in you or through you during the past weeks of this, of this past term, just to share and to give glory to God. Um, so now's an opportunity for you. Um, don't all rush now. <laughs> Okay, hey everyone. Um, so like for the past while, for those of you who know, like I've been trying to read my Bible properly. Um, so like, yeah, studying the Old Testament and almost finished um, in the last book. Yes. Um, so um, like while reading the Old Testament, like we can all see how many times the Israelites like messed up. Um, but like, while I was reading through that, like there's this thing of, okay, I'm a follower of Christ, but as I'm following Christ, I'm not just going myself. I'm actually part of a body that I need to bring along in this journey I'm going through. Um, so like it's been a process of, I believe God has deepened my love for the church, my love for like the community that I have here. So like when I'm discovering something new in the Bible, it's not just for myself to keep or for myself to experience but actually something I need to share with the community that I'm part of um, and explain to them and have them share their experience and their knowledge with me. Um, so like, yeah. Is there perhaps someone else? Okay. This is what Psalm 27 says. I'll read the first five verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Father, we thank you that this evening we can declare that you are our light and our salvation. And so because of that, we have no need to fear. As we direct our hearts now, as Josh helps us to focus again on your goodness, of your grace, your provision, and your leading, we ask, Lord, that you would be speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sure, God's goodness, grace, provision, leading. That's so apt for tonight, it's quite scary. Um, I have a little testimony from this last week. Um, last week, Sunday, I, besides the craziness that we had here in the evening, in the morning, we had such a joy of getting ready for children's church. And not normally is it so mellow beforehand, but for some reason we had lots of time. And so we just gathered together and started praying. And uh, which is normal, by the way, to pray before Trinity Church. Um, but we, we really took time with it and we, we started praying for different needs. And two of the needs that were in the group was one from Joey, who was really feeling like her stomach was giving her a lot of pain um, and had been giving her since the whole night before. She hardly slept. And then Jesse, whose wrist was giving him a lot of trouble as well. Um, and at the end of that meeting, Joey was feeling completely fine. And later that afternoon, Jesse messaged as well to say that his wrist was also feeling fine. It was such a cool encouragement of God just like, yeah, here we are in the everyday, in the, in the normal, I'm um, coming and, and answering prayers. And it was, it was really cool. And then in this last week, um, Shannon and I have been praying a lot into what's happening and uh, life and the future and all sorts of things like that. And on Tuesday, we received some news that really shook us a little bit and we're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and uh, on Wednesday, God put someone else in our path who, who had some things to share, but actually just who he was, was such an answer to prayer. Uh, see, you see, we've been been praying about church planting, and you heard last week a lot about my heart and passion for that. And one of the things that's almost impossible as a South African to get is just a visa to go and church plant. Um, and yet here was this other guy asking me to come and church plant with him, which was funny because, you know, we're really going with someone else, um, but had a visa to church plant. And it was really cool just how God was confirming these things. So that was just some testimonies from my week, things that I enjoyed, things that I was really grateful for God for. And so I felt like coming into this weekend, like, man, this is going to be really cool. God's doing stuff. Like sometimes he, he's quiet for a while and then sometimes he does a lot of stuff and you're like, whoa, like <laughs> something's changed and it's great and I'm super thankful and I don't want to move out of this space. Tonight we're going to be looking at a character who, upon hearing God's call, had some different thoughts, some, some different plans in mind. And he's someone who I have a lot of compassion for uh, because I see myself fairly regularly in some of the, the ways that he lives his life. Um, but hopefully, with God's grace, we all grow. And this is the man Jonah. Now, many of you guys know Jonah. Dude was swallowed by a big fish. It was wild. Um, but what happened to Jonah? And what we're going to do is we're pretty much going to go through the whole book of Jonah. So, Mikey, it's a bit of a recap for you. Um, although... When you were saying it, I do love the Italian prophet, Malachi. It's great. <laughs> but uh, back, back to Jonah. Um, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So Nineveh, not a great place. Wickedness come up before God. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship. Bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. But then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose against the ship that it threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, 
Each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. When the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get on and get up and call your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they addressed him, Tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? He says, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now this terrified them because in those days a lot of people would worship either the God of fishing or the God of the sea or of the air or the land. And it often wasn't that those gods overlapped in the kind of pantheistic society that they were from. And so for him to say, I worship the God of the heaven, of the land and of the dry sea. What? (laughs) Of the sea and of the dry land. (laughs) Um, This terrified them. They were like, whoa, dude, like we just have one of those and you've got the God of everything and you decided to make him upset. Okay. But they knew already that he was running away from the Lord because he had told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, which um, is significant in the story of Jesus, as we heard the sign of Jonah. But sometimes God gives us a hard call. Sometimes he tells us to do something and we're going about life and we hear it and we're like, no, 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 God, I'm not going to be doing that. Oh, are you mad? In this case, there was a city called Nineveh a terrible city. Um, It was causing such great wickedness. And Jonah had quite a lot of animosity towards him. He wasn't stoked with them either. It wasn't like this was just a one-way thing. Um, and, And he gets the prophetic call, the evangelist call, go to the lost, go to these people and, and proclaim to them what is going to be happening. And that's a hard task. The, The task of a prophet to tell people like, yo, bad stuff's happening. Is not nice. Um, and the task of the evangelist to have lives change is also equally difficult. And so he, he comes in. But we learn a few things about all the different characters in this. First, what we learn about God is that he has a desire in our heart to see the wickedness of Nineveh destroyed. There is a wrath that is built up against Nineveh. And it is so evil that it needs to be dealt with. But he also has a heart to see those people saved, for the people to outlast this, to almost become like deserters. You see, in war, what happens is you have people who faithfully pledge to fight on one side, 
And one of the most tragic things for an army is for people from your army to desert your army and go to fight for the enemies against you. It's almost like a huge two-way swing. And uh, in a lot of armies in history, it's been punishable by death because actually that's like the biggest act of betrayal. But that's what God sends us out to do for the other team. He's like, these people at the moment are causing us trouble and we need to call them over to this side. We also learn from God that there's nowhere we can run from him, right? He finds him, Jonah, as he is running on his way to Tarshish and God's like, you can't hide, bud. There's nowhere you can go. This is the end of the line. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be outrun. But then we see how God has compassion on him, sending a huge fish when we mess up. Now, for all of us, it's not probably going to be a fish, but it will be some form of compassion or grace. What does it tell us about humanity? That even when we do wicked things, God will offer us a chance to change. Even if we don't deserve it, we often think that we're like Jonah, that we know best, that our plans are best. And um, it's always funny when God's plans and our plans weigh up against each other in the big picture. It always falls short. And so I take from this that there's no point running from God. He's all, his ways are better. And so I'm challenged. How do I walk humbly, constantly, in communication with God? So that he doesn't have to do such dramatic stuff for me to come to him. What it challenges me to challenge others with is that even if you're the most wicked, evil person, even if you belong to the most wicked, evil nation, God still longs for you to repent and to come back to him. He's always against evil, but he's always for his people. Jonah 2. This is an interesting part. This is a part that often um, kind of gets skipped over because it's just Jonah praying. But I think it's significant. I think we see a lot of the turmoil that's going on in Jonah in this passage. And we see that actually he's humbled extremely. And even though later on God still has to do more work with him, a lot of work has happened just in this moment. And, and so from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep, in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet, I will look again toward your holy, holy temple. The engulfing waves threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped about my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, your, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. It's a huge change from, I'm not going to go to those people, to salvation comes from the Lord. And so the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. Sure. This is wonderful because we see not only 
the nation that's going to be impacted by this, but the individual, the person who has to bring this message, the person who has to follow the hard calling that God has for us. You see, the thing is, is that we often think that the person doing the ministry or the person bringing the message or the person who's doing these things is kind of just like a carrier and nothing really happens to them on the way. But it's hardly ever like that with Jesus. In fact, most often, those are the people who are impacted the most. And I want to say to you guys, if you really want to be challenged in your growth and your faith, make yourself available to what God's wanting to do in the people's lives around you. Because he always uses and changes and impacts the people who he works through. And so what we hear about God here is that when we mess up, he's still here for us. Even when we don't deserve it, he is constantly after our hearts, pursuing us. He's also in control, you know. That fish vomited him up as soon as he was ready. His plans will ultimately come to fruition. For us, it's, for humanity, it's quite difficult because so often we have to come to a point of de- desperation, to a point of being overwhelmed by everything else that's around us before we even remember who God is and what he's doing. I think it's, it's quite significant that it was only once he was drowning at the bottom of the ocean did he go wow, I really need Jesus right now, (laughs) or or the Lord. And sometimes we leave it too late. We leave it to the point of when everything else is falling around us, to the point where there's literally, and then we just go, you know what, I can't. But it's funny how humanity has to wait for things to go really wrong before we can go and uh, depend on him. But fortunately, God has mercy for us. And so I don't want to wait to be obedient. I don't want to wait until there's a fish swallowing me up and going, okay, now I'll do what God wants to call me to do. Instead, I want to be on the front foot of seeking out what God's doing and being in that pocket of like, wow, I'm getting to be on mission with God. We get to Jonah 3, and he gets into Nineveh. And um, yeah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Big change, big change. And went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going to a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from greatest to least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on the destruction that he had threatened. Sometimes we are the ones who writes off the people of who God can and can't reach. Jonah had said, these Ninevites, 
They are not worthy of going to. There's not a chance I'm going there. In fact, I'm running. Cheers. But God is after our hearts. He is the one who's initiating our salvation. He's the one who's pursuing us. He is the one who's coming after us and going, there's a better way. There's more. Please turn from this. Our response makes all the difference. And fortunately for the Ninevites, their response was one of, wow, we are wicked. There is evil in our hearts and we need to change. God may yet relent and with compassion turn his fierce anger from us. We get to an interesting part of the story now where Nineveh seems to be fine, but Jonah is fed up with the Lord. He's had enough. And so it goes on. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. What a truth about the God that we serve. So often we're the first putting so much judgment on ourselves and writing ourselves off. But when we encounter this God, who's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, we realize that this is not just going to happen for me, but for my enemies. And Jonah knew this. He obviously had a great relationship with God because he knew that God was good. He knew that God was compassionate. He just didn't want it for his enemies. It goes on to God taking him a bit on a journey. He goes, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, it is, right, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. He made himself a little shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Just, he was waiting to see it burn. He did not want this grace for God to have on them. And then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, made it grow over Jonah and give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Those of you who've done a little bit of gardening here and there, when plants grow, it's, it's pretty stoked. And sitting underneath a nice tree in the shade brings a sense of like peace. And you're like, okay, I'm ready to watch the world burn. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about a plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry and I wish I was dead. <laughs> Jonah, man, what's going on? But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for a great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also so many animals. Boom. You guys just read a book of the Bible. Incredible. The story leaves us with Jonah really in a pickle. God has challenged him. We don't know. Does he accept the compassionate 
God and, and how he really shows such mercy and grace for a city? Or is he left missing out, having done such great things with God? I mean, he preached and proclaimed in a whole city over 120,000 people. I mean, that's like a lot of people. And they repented. One man preached for three days and they repented. And yet he was angry. And he was so angry and he wished he was dead. You see, the thing is for us is that when we're having to deal with others, we have to learn to see them the way that God does. And sometimes there's things like anger or hurt or there's things like, man, I know these people. They're not going to change. It's going to keep happening again and again. But here's this challenge that God has. To do what he says. To move with his calling. Because when God's moving, a whole city will be changed. Whether we like it or not. I mean, that's the funniest thing about this whole story. The great irony is that Jonah didn't want it to happen, and it happened. And we'd never get to know if he was happy about it or not in the end. But God saved a whole city. He turned around a nation. And so I want to challenge you guys tonight. We get to be a part of seeing God changing and transforming us. You know, Jonah, there was a real point in that middle bit there where God changed his heart. Salvation comes from the Lord. He went into this knowing there's only God who can do this. He came out, not sure where he came out. But when we're doing ministry, we're going to be impacted. And we need to be careful about how we perceive others around us. You know, it was alluded to last week that fortunately, I am not a prophet who isn't honored in his own home. But the sad reality is that a lot of people in their ministry um, are not honored by the people around them because they grow up with them and they go like, this punk, I mean, really, how is God going to use him? In the same way, we could think, this punk, how is God going to save him? But I tell you, God loves these people. He aches for them. You know, there's four calls that we hear from in the Bible of us to go out and impact these people. The first one is from heaven. God's saying, go out to all nations, baptizing them, teaching everything. The second is from underneath. For those who didn't actually turn to God, those who are suffering, those who, yeah, missed out, the call from that is don't let anyone else be in this space. There is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is the call from within. God has put a passion and a desire in our hearts for different things. Each one of us has been designed and purposed for what God has for us. And then there is the call out there. One when we see the suffering, when we see the hurting, and we know that in the kingdom of heaven, this does not stand. And we move to action. I don't know which one of those callings is moving you the most tonight. But I trust and pray that you go with a willingness, that you go with a humility. Because who knows? God's going to do it, and he's going to accomplish his plans. And maybe we get to be part of something awesome. 
but maybe we're going to miss out. So Lord, I really pray that tonight, as we have been challenged by the story of Jonah, Father, I pray that you'd help us to walk humbly. I pray that you'd help us to have a heart that, that is moved by what is moving your heart. And Father, I pray for the joy of serving with you, of seeing lives changed, of seeing nations be moved. And I pray for a sensitivity to where you're moving and where you're leading. In the name of Jesus. So evening congregation, I bless you in this next week to really take up the call that God has on your life. Maybe it's for your friends. Maybe it's for a colleague. Maybe it's for someone that you study with or someone that you pass every day. You know the calling. I can't tell you who it is. But I challenge you to not run away, but instead to enjoy and delight in ministering with the Lord. So bless you. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful holiday for those of you on holiday. And yeah, amen.